channel. I want to continue thanking you for subscribing and for pressing that notification bell so that you can get all the information necessary towards you having to understand the word of God and all its biblical truth. We know that we live in trouble sometimes, but the word of God is here for all generations. And so I want to encourage you always to make that time to read to search, to study, because we want to be able to build and develop ourselves in such a way that we will have that close, connected relationship with God. And we can do so through His words. So I trust that all the lessons that have gone by would have been able to answer most of your questions. And if not, still tune in to Church Media TT, because here's the place where your Bible questions will be answered as we study the Word of God together. Before we go further, could you kindly join with me as we approach the divine throne of grace of God? Let us pray. Our eternal God and righteous Father, you are excellent in all the earth. You are majestic even in the heavens where you dwell. And we are thankful for who you are, being the God of all mercy, and the God of all grace. We know that there are many things that we can say in relation to your nature, in relation to your power. You are indeed wonderful and magnificent. Thank you for being our creator. Thank you for being the one who provides and sustains our very lives. And as we seek to be drawn closer to you through your words and through understanding the things that we face in life, help us, dear God, to keep trusting in you relying on you, depending on you. For we know it is through you all things are indeed possible. May you bless all those who view and listen to this program and many other programs that will come, that their Father would be encouraged to serve you, to love you, and to obey your wonderful gospel. These things we pray and ask in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. All right, we have been studying a very important subject matter, the two covenants. And if you have been with us on this journey, you would have realized thus far that the journey has led us to a particular book called Hebrews, where we are able to see the contrast between the old and the new covenant. We are able also to understand that the law was disannulled according to Hebrews chapter 7 verse 18 and verse number 19. We saw that the law was old and it was decaying and, and ready to vanish away. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse number 13. We also saw that the law was a shadow 
of good things to come when we read uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 1. We also took a look of the fact that the law was taken away, it was removed. The law was blotted out and nailed to the cross. Colossians 2:14, Hebrews 10, 9 and 10. Galatians chapter 3, verse 22 and 25 tells us that we are no longer under it. And so when we are able to come to the reality that these things have already taken place, it is not yet to happen, it has already happened. The law has been abrogated. The law has been, as we said before, disallowed. So then there must be something in place to help us live this life, to guide us. Rules and instruction that will pertain to this era, this time, this dispensation, which is known as the, the Christian dispensation. And because of Jesus Christ, we have now the new covenant, which is better than the old, because it is established upon better promises. And because why? We have a better mediator. Not Moses, but Jesus himself. And so when we view the scriptures, we are able to understand how important and how significant the New Testament or the New Covenant is. And so now I want us to look at other areas. Areas by contrast to see what happened in the old and how things have changed. So we'll know that not only the law was changed according to Hebrews 7 and verse number 12, but we're going to see how other things had changed in, under the old covenant and see the difference of what God says under the new. So please join with me as we go to the book of Genesis chapter number 17. Genesis chapter number 17. I want to talk about on this particular program uh, circumcision of the flesh versus circumcision of the heart. Alright? Circumcision of the flesh versus circumcision of the heart. And we're going to see that because we'll understand from the old covenant what happened and what we can realize that God said in the new covenant in regards to circumcision. Let's follow with me to Genesis chapter 17 from verse number 9 where God is speaking to Abraham and he was about to tell him about this covenant that he wants to make with him in this patriarchal age that's going to be on the basis of the circumcision. Let's read. Genesis chapter 17 from verse 9. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant. Therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant or my agreement which you shall keep between me and you and thy seed after thee. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised. And he shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, that it shall be a token of the covenant between me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man-child in your generations. He that is born in the house or bought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house and he that is bought with thy money must needs be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant verse 14 and the uncircumcised man child whose flesh is of the foreskin is not circumcised that soul shall be cut off from his people he had broken my 
covenant. Remember God made this covenant with Abraham long before the Mosaic covenant came into being. So circumcision would have started in the patriarchal age, not necessarily in the Mosaic age. But I want us to go and follow uh, through the scriptures. Let's see the journey of how circumcision played a part in the patriarchal age, in the Mosaic age, and what role does it play in the New Testament age. The word circumcision or circumcised, the Hebrew word mul, is a verb meaning to cut short or to cut off. And basically what we're looking at is to remove all or part of the foreskin from the penis of a boy or man, either for hygiene reasons or as a part of religious ritual. So the first thing we observe in the reading of Genesis chapter 17 from verse 9 to 14 is that it was commanded by God in the patriarchal age. I want us to understand that. It was first commanded by God in the patriarchal age. And so it is, the Bible tells us that Abraham had followed with the command that God gave to him when he took Ishmael's son from verse number 23 following of Genesis chapter 17. He took Ishmael his son that was born in his house and therefore he took every male that was in his household and he circumcised the flesh of their foreskin in the self same day that God had said to him. In other words, Abraham obeyed God as he received the instruction from him the self same day. Could you imagine Ishmael was about 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh and Abraham he also was circumcised. So it then means that Abraham was following through obedience the instructions that God has given. As a covenant between Abraham and his seed and those under his house, this circumcision was a necessity. Now, secondly, we would understand in order for one to observe the Passover, they also must be circumcised. The Bible tells us in the book of Exodus chapter number 12, from verse number 43, the scripture says, The Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. There shall no stranger eat thereof, but every man's servant that is bought for money, when thou hast circumcised him, then shall he eat thereof. You might ask yourself the question, why is it so important that God gave such instruction? Because remember, he wanted to build a relationship with his people based on an agreement between himself and those that are going to be called his. And so the Bible tells us in verse number 48 that even though a stranger should sojourn, if the stranger want to keep the Passover, let all his males also be circumcised, and anyone that is born in the land must be Circumcised, And so again, Moses followed the instructions of God and he did exactly what the Lord had commanded. When we continue to observe the scriptures, we realize that this same instruction that God had given to Abraham was now in the Mosaic age. So Moses is following the instruction of having men to be circumcised because that was God's plan. We see in the book of Leviticus chapter number 12, verse number 1 to 3, as we conclude on this particular issue, that Moses, again, came and he spake to the children of Israel, saying, If a woman had conceived seed and, and born a man-child, then she shall be unclean for seven days, and according to the days of the separation for her infirmity, shall she be unclean. But the eighth day, on the eighth day, make sure 
that the flesh of the foreskin of that newborn boy be circumcised. We saw that in Luke chapter 1, verse 59 and 60, when Zacharias did the same thing for his son, John, and chapter 2, verse 21, where Jesus was circumcised the eighth day. So we understand that the eighth day had its significance with God when it comes to circumcision. But now let's ask another question. Is that a requirement for us now, today, to be circumcised? We knew that it started in the patriarchal age in Genesis chapter 17, from verse 9 to 14. We knew that it also existed in the Mosaic age that we saw in the book of Exodus and in the book of Leviticus. But is it a requirement for our salvation under the New Testament today? Is it a requirement for us to have that connection or relationship with God? Well, some of the Jews did believe so. In Acts chapter number 15, the Bible tells us from verse number 1 that certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So you see, now they're using circumcision as a supposed means of salvation. Because why? Even though it started in the patriarchal age, in order for that covenant relationship to be existing between Abraham and his seed throughout his generations, and we see it overflowing to the Mosaic age, the Jews said, hey, you have to be circumcised in order to be saved. Well, the Bible says in verse number 5 of Acts chapter 15, there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, they wasn't watching specifically at the patriarchal age where the continuing, continuous lineage of Abraham would be in view, but they said, no, the law of Moses. Remember, that's what the Jews did. They always hold on to the law of Moses. Now, unfortunately, there are some in the religious world today continue to hold on to the law of Moses and implement a lot of things that were written in the law into the new covenant or the new testament and so this was something that the apostles had to deal with and the bible tells us in the book of acts chapter 15 from verse number 5 to about verse number 11 they rose up as i said before certain of these pharisees and that's what they said from verse 6 the apostles and the elders they came together to discuss this matter and they had been much disputing among them. They were really talking and reasoning among themselves to find out, you know, how should we proceed further? Because they came up at this point, there's a need for you to be circumcised. Now, is there any religious organization today practicing circumcision as a means of, of religious rituals? Has it become mandatory that these individuals that are part of your organization should be circumcised? If, we are, if you are listening to this particular program, then you would know that if you are still under the old covenant, it is not a requirement. How do we know that? After the apostles came together and they spoke, they said in verse 7 of Acts chapter 15, Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now that's important. The word of the gospel. You see, the gospel of Christ is the instrument used to help bring us into that covenant relationship that is under the New Testament. And based upon what the gospel of Christ says, is that is what we must obey. 
The series of lessons that are going to be coming, we will, we will focus on the fact that only the gospel of Christ makes a difference in what law we ought to be today. And so when we talk about that, the Bible says all continuously, And God which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. He put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. So now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? And here's the conclusion of what the apostle says. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So it has nothing to do with circumcision as a ritual or ceremonial act as a means of you being saved. That only was established in the patriarchal age, was continued in the Mosaic age as God commanded through Moses, but now it is not a requirement in the New Testament for one to be saved. Now that's very interesting, isn't it? Because the Bible tells us that if that is no longer a requirement, then they needed to find out what then are the instructions given to us in order for us to follow. What then could we then look forward to in, in allowing ourselves to be guided into the things that we need to do? In verse number 19 of Acts chapter 15, the apostles and the elders, when they got together and they made the conclusion and they talked to the church and everybody's in agreement, they said, wherefore my sentence is this, that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollutions of idols, those are things offered to idols, and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. In other words, what we are actually saying, we don't want to impose something in which your fathers were not able to bear. We don't want to impose something that Moses commanded because we are no longer under the old covenant but we want to write unto you what you should have believed today what you should follow today by the grace of god is that listen let's tell them to abstain let's tell them to keep away from from foods that are offered to their false god and their idols let's tell them to keep away from fornication you know that sexual intercourse or sexual activity outside of marriage which also encompasses all kinds of sexual immorality let's tell them to ab abstain from things that are strangled in other words if the animal blood was not shed do not eat it and let's tell them to abstain from blood but could you imagine all those who love to eat pudding all those who love to just eat that compressed blood and it tastes so good in hops seasoned with pepper you know and, and it, it goes down nice but hear what because the gentiles live a more free liberal religious life they were able to do all kinds of things that satisfied their conscience. But here, because of the mere fact that the Jews were trying to impose upon them to, to be circumcised, he said, no, that's no longer enforced. That's no longer what are required for their salvation. What is required is that they abstain from these things that they are accustomed to doing in the Gentile world and turn to God. Wow. It is so beautiful because in verse Number 22, then pleased all the apostles and the elders and the whole church, and they begin to send letters out to congregations that this is the agreement, that no one is to be saved through circumcision, or circumcision is not a requirement for one to be saved, only obedience to the gospel of Christ, that through God's grace you can be saved. 
And what is the gospel of Christ? When you hear the message, faith comes by hearing, and hearing is by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. John 8, 24, Jesus said, If you don't believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Luke 13, verse 3 and verse 5, except you repent, except there's a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of attitude, a change of action, except you repent, you will all likewise perish. Jesus himself said in Matthew 10, 32, You must confess me, whosoever confesses me before men, him will I also confess before my Father, which is in heaven. But if you deny me, I will also deny you. And therefore, one must be immersed in water, according to Acts chapter 2, verse number 38, that you can have forgiveness of sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There's no need for circumcision as a means of, or supposed means of, salvation. There's no need. All you have to do is to obey the gospel of Christ, and by His grace are you saved. I trust that this lesson would bring comfort to those who are seeking comfort and warning to those who are continuing on a line that says this is what people must do in order to be saved. May God bless you until we come together again to continue his work. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe What the Bible tells me I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe That he died on Calvary I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe That he came to set me free so I might live with him in glory. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. What the Bible tells me, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. That he died on Calvary. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. That he came to set me free. So I might live with him in glory.